Hello. I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Stockout. It's been a while since uh, we've done a Stockout show. Uh, so for those of you that are coming to us, um, finding us on GreatWaves.com or one of the other Freightcasts, uh, what the Stockout is, uh, what's different about it is we focus in on the CPG companies, so consumer packaged goods companies. Those are companies that make uh, things you buy at supermarket or big box retailers, your food, your personal care products, those type of products. So we focus in on you know, those uh, companies during this show, um, sort of paying particular attention to what those companies' results, what things in the news, what, what uh, data that we have at FreightWaves, sort of ha- how all that relates. And so the idea is to craft a show that's helpful to shippers that are in the CPG community, as well as uh, carriers that service those companies and, and uh, 3PLs that, that, that service the, the CPG industry as, as, as well. It's sort of one industry that is very freight intensive, has products that you cannot miniaturize, and uh, supply chains and uh, domestic transportation is always going to be a big uh, part of, uh, of, of their business. So, uh, you know, no sponsor, no guest today. Um, what I am going to talk about is uh, some of the, the recent uh, results in, uh, you know, that CPG companies have posted, and I'll try to keep that uh, to a level that is uh, very relevant to other companies in, and the industry in general. Um, so I'll go through some of those and, and also talk about, you know, some of what we're seeing in the freight data um, in, in Sonar and uh, what some of the writers are seeing uh, at, at FreightWaves.com. So, uh, for CPG uh, news, the first thing I'll go through is, um, you know, Mondelez. So Mondelez reported, uh, you know, late last week. This is the company that makes, uh, you know, Oreo cookies and, you know, Cadbury, Nabisco, Ritz crackers, among other things that they're that they're well known for. But, um, you know, you know Mondelez. I think one of the things that's really sort of relevant for other, you know, CPG companies is you see those this um, picture that we get from Shutterstock that you know shows smashed, uh, you know, Oreos. Mondelez is expecting high single-digit cost inflation this year. I think, um, you know, with the CPG uh, industry, uh, what they're really sort of, if, if they wanted to accomplish one thing this year is to, I would say, offset the, the inflation and their costs they saw last year into this year uh, with either, you know, price increases or fewer promotions or, you know, in, in, in some method. And you see with, with, with Mondelez sort of setting the bar, sort of a high single-digit cost inflation this year. Um, and I think that's on top of, uh, cost inflation they 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 saw um, they saw last year. One of the interesting comments they made, specifically related to logistics, is that their logistics costs are rising globally, but not at the same pace as um, you know the U.S. and the U.K. What they called out specifically is imbalances in supply and demand in truck capacity in the U.S. and uh, U.K. We know all about that um, from our data at FreightWaves and also container availability. They said is also a, a big issue you know, for them as well. Um, they said outside of logistics costs, um, you know, really their cost inflation is rising pretty consistently if you take out uh, changes in currency is because a lot of the other, uh, you know, input costs that go into making uh, those snack products that Mondelez, um, you know, uh, produces, um, you know, are things like, uh, you know, ingredients, uh, packaging, you know, type uh, costs that are basically globally traded commodities. So not a lot of difference there, but say, it says that overall, the um, the, the uh, costs are rising the most in countries, you know, in, in local currencies for those that are depreciating relative to the U.S. And so you've seen some of these emerging markets like Russia and Brazil have currencies that have gotten have been weak against the U.S. dollar, and um, you know, in those countries, um, is, is making it a little di- bit difficult to keep 
you know, their prices, um, you know, consistent to, to, to consumers. So that could be something that's a headwind for them. They also mentioned that about 70% of their input costs are hedged for this year. They said that's in line with last year, but above historic norms. Um, it'll be interesting to see as more CPG companies uh, report if they locked in uh, some of the, their higher, uh, some, some of their input costs with, with hedges, even though um, you know, probably some of that took place last year after prices had already inflated. Uh, but uh, sort of throughout last year, prices kept, seemed like it kept taking, you know, additional steps, uh, you know, upward. Um, so we'll see if more CPG companies, you know, did that. Uh, sort of on the encouraging side, you know, Mondelez did uh, say they expect uh, ingredient prices to stabilize for the most part. Um, you know, there were some exceptions to that where they say uh, the, the inflationary pressure is going to be higher in 2022 than it was in 2021. Some of the examples were uh, sort of edible oils, packaging, and uh, transportation. And on that transportation, that last one, I think it's pretty consistent with um, you know, what we're seeing in, in, in sort of the truckload and you know, intermodal rates were sort of throughout last year, the contract rates uh, were priced higher. And so specifically those, those uh, shippers that had, have transportation uh, contracts in place that had not been repriced since early uh, last year. A lot of those are going to see uh, pr- price increases in their in their, con- their transportation contracts that are uh, double digit um, double digits higher. Uh, one of the areas that Miley's called out as be- ha- having a lot of pricing pressure is dairy. They su- expect costs uh, costs to rise further there. Uh, Miley's uses uses dairy and it's you know milk chocolate um, you know specifically and you know, company overall guiding uh, in investors to gross margin dollar growth. And I think that's significant because, um, you know, we have, we have been talking about uh, these CPG companies and their margins and, and how many sort of basis points they've uh, seen margin contraction last year. You look at the sort of the CPG industry overall, a lot of these companies have had uh, margin pressure, let's say from 200 to four or 500 you know, basis points. You just look at their gross margin because it does take time for, for them to get price increases on the shelves that sort of offset the, their, their input costs. But I think more of these companies are going to guide to uh, gross margin dollars um, rather than percentages, um, because even if you make up your, the full uh, you know, input cost inflation with, uh, with, with price increases, there's, there's still on a percent basis uh, margin contraction there. So, so still, I would say encouraging that uh, Mondelez is expecting gross margin a dollar growth. We'll see how many other CPG companies, um, you know, say that uh, when, when when they report. Also, thought there were encouraging comments from 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 Mondelez on CPG uh, demand, and uh, so that really stood out. Uh, you know, companies said that the elasticity uh, was lower than expected and lower than what is normal, and it was very uh, consistent with what we heard, um, you know, the week prior from Procter and Gamble, where Procter and Gamble said that the price elasticity they were seeing was about 20 to 30% less um, than they had expected. And um, you, know, you would think that what they had expected would maybe be less than you know, what the historical norms are because uh, prices have increased widely for uh, consumer, consumer goods. Um, you know, it has, hasn't been you know, specific to any one you know, commodity at all. So I really think that's a kind of the, the key um, you know, the key question for a demand as far as CPG companies go this year is, are consumers going to change their behavior, you know, in response to rising, um, you know, prices, you know, sort of it logically would make sense that uh, consumers would, you know, back off on, you know, buying some of these name brand items 
um, you know, in, in light of the higher prices and go to something that's a cheaper sort of private label, uh, you know, brand. But the companies are not seeing that, you know, yet, um, you know, when I had the Consumer Brands Association on the stockout, um, you know, they really had not seen any uh, consumer retrenchment. I think that was back in uh, November or uh, December. So consumer behavior still seems to be um, to be very uh, strong, and it is at odds with what we're um, you know hearing from you know all these you know demands you know consumer you know, sentiment uh, surveys. I just saw that the University of Michigan published its uh, consumer sentiment survey, which you know there's always debate here at freight waves whether you know that you know, survey, you know, really holds a lot of water or whether consumers say something different than, than, than how they actually behave. But you sort of look, just look at that data and it was actually the lowest it's been um, since April, 2020. So consumers are concerned about a lot of uh, things that are in the news. And they say sort of the, the, the top uh, concern is that um, the their inflation is rising faster than their wages are rising. So, so most consumers, I think, recognize that they are you know, losing a little bit of ground to inflation, even with the, t- the tight labor market, even with the fact that most people have gotten raises. Um, and, and so it's still kind of remarkable with, with inflation at a 40-year high that it's, it's outstripping uh, people's um, you know, uh, wage uh, growth. So that's sort of uh, you know, the number one you know, concern that you know, consumers have. Also, they're just concerned about uh, you know, housing affordability, um, which uh, we're seeing uh, having a huge impact uh, across the country, particularly in some of these large uh, you know, metro areas. I know that uh, housing prices have really inflated a lot uh, here where I am in, uh, in, in, in Dallas. Um, so you really have this disconnect between what consumers have done uh, you know, so far and consumer sentiment. I think um, sort of the reality is uh, somewhere in the middle. You would think that consumers would um, you know, cut back um, you know, with some of these benefits expiring, like the child care tax credit. It looks like the student loan deferrals, which kept getting you know extended, extended. Uh, those are going to um, you know go away, you know, too. Um, and maybe the rising interest rates leads to less you know in, investment on the corporate side, which funnels down into consumers you know not feeling as good as as, as well. So it's, I think there's you know some you know risk there, even if uh, most you know CPG companies aren't willing to admit it yet on the demand side. I'll run through a couple other uh, CPG news headlines before hitting um, some of what we're seeing in the, the, the freight market. Uh, you know, saw that, you know, Beyond Meat, which is a company that I've talked a lot about just because I think it's it's, it's interesting, it's volatile, um, it's probably more volatile than just about any uh, CPG company that I can think of. Their short interest is up to 37%, which is an all-time high. So it's a very crowded uh, short. And so those are our investors, um, you know, hedge funds that are betting against the company, um, you know, betting that the shares will go down. And, um, you know, it's, it really has had a, a high, you know, short interest since the company, um, you know, went public in uh, 2019. It's been a controversial name. And um, you sort of look at uh, what's happened with the, the, the stock price there. It went public. Um, about where it is today in 2019 and fully round tripped, um, you know, went from uh, in the high 60s to $235 a share and then back to about 67. So it was sort of the sort of the definition of a round trip. Um, feel bad for the top tick, uh, you know, buyers uh, there, um, but um, just really a lot of controversy surrounding, um, you know, whether or not consumers are going to embrace uh, plant-based meat alternatives. Um, I think the, the the jury is still out on there. Um, a lot of these companies had 
a difficult third quarter when they reported it. Um, you know, some of the reasons that you know various companies have, have, have cited for that was just a little bit less consumer interest in trying new things. Uh, you know, last year for 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 whatever reason. Um, and then also, I think some people are, are, are maybe a little bit skeptical of, uh, you know, Beyond Meat's partnership with some of these fast food chains. They've you know, announced partnerships with companies like McDonald's, Yum Brands, um, which, you know, owns a number of uh, fast food chains. And, you know, whether there's a lot of overlap between the fast food customers and the consumers that uh, want to substitute, you know, beef for uh, protein that's made with peas. Uh, but I think this is an interesting one that I'm going to continue to follow because it really, um, you know, could potentially, uh, you know, have a big impact on food supply chains along with, you know, various other innovations like, um, you know, vertical farming or cell-based, you know, meat production. So, you know, I really do think uh, the, the meat uh, supply chains uh, could be dramatically different, um, you know, in the, in, in the years to come. We'll, we'll have more on this when the company reports in uh, late February. Another uh, CPG-related uh, uh, piece of news was the Kellogg Company. Uh, you know, yesterday was uh, one of the worst uh, performers um, in an otherwise up market. Um, last five trading sessions, Kellogg uh, down about four percent, and um, you know it was really, I think, you know, down on the downgrade. The BMO I saw downgraded it, sort of citing uh, expectations there's going to be sluggish uh, cereal uh, sales, and um, you know, of course, it, citing the things that you know. Talk about all the time here, supply chain bottlenecks, uh, you know, industry inflation. Um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, just how big of an impact the strike had in the quarter. The company um, had an 11-week uh, strike. As, as a reminder, I've talked about that, you know, in, in the past on four of its, uh, you know, facilities facilities in four different states and companies that make cereal. There were all those, um, you know, good uh, tweets that have uh, Tony the Tiger carrying a picket sign. Which uh, were you know entertaining if if, if nothing else, and uh, Kellogg had to demonstrate some uh, flexibility with importing cereal uh, that would normally be produced here uh, you know domestically and having management you know fill in some of those you know some of those positions that strike you know did um, did end, but um, going to be a sloppy quarter when they report in about a week and a half. Um, but uh, we'll follow that one uh, as well. So. With that, is a little bit of overview of CPG news. Um, you know, no, in short, no CPG companies are willing to concede that consumers are, you know, cutting back and uh, they're doing the best they can with um, you know, mitigating cost pressure and trying to get at least at least the, the dollar uh, cost increases back with 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 price increases and other productivity um, you know improvements. I think is the main objective of most CPG companies right now. Uh, turning to the freight markets and uh, what we're seeing in uh, freight waves, and I think the, really the most interesting uh, area of the country right now is the West Coast. And um, you know, the West Coast has is uh, is loosened when you look at a lot of the the freight um, you know market uh, data sets we have in Sonar. You know, one of the sort of the, the flagship um, you know data sets is uh, the, the the tender rejection index. We have a chart on that. And you see in, in blue is the U.S. tender rejection rate. So as uh, the freight markets tighten, that rises. It, as, it, as it loosens, it lowers. And you see that um, you know, nationwide carriers are rejecting, these are driving carriers, are rejecting 19.4% of uh, outbound uh, of, of total loads. Uh, outbound of L.A., driving carriers are rejecting 8.8%. And that's you know, uh, fallen dramatically from about 17 or 18% right at the beginning of this year. And you see, you know, throughout, you know, parts of last year 
it was over 20% a year ago. It was close to 25%. And um, you know, some maybe difference of opinion or uh, about exactly what's, what's driving that. I mean, one of the, the theories that you know, has been kicked around here at Freight Waves is, you know, we're right in the middle of all this bad weather across the country, uh, you know, storms in the, in the Northeast. Uh, we're supposed to get snow here in, in, in Dallas and sort of throughout the Ohio Valley. Um, you know, this year, snow and ice, which is going to make things difficult. So um, there's some thought that carriers have repositioned equipment, you know, out west, and they have more flexibility to do that with uh, the generally very tight uh, freight market. They know they can get loads, you know, out west. Um, so there may have been some uh, relocation of capacity out there. Um, but I, I also think that, you know, a big part, big reason here, and maybe the primary reason is that imports are actually uh, down in the at the ports of LA and Long Beach, which is completely, you know, counterintuitive because we all know that there's about let's say use around number 100 container ships um, you know, off the coast of uh, you know LA waiting to dock and uh, get unloaded. So how could um, you know, imports you know be down? And 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 really, it's all about the throughput, um, you know, at the container uh, terminals, which. You know, a lot of the, the container terminals don't have the, the personnel in place, don't have the space that they're sort of overflowing with containers all, all, already. Um, there's lack of warehousing uh, space. And uh, so all of those things, and I think, you know, maybe the primary one is just workers being out with, um, you know, with, with, with COVID. You know, all these things have, have contributed to import volume at the ports of LA and Long Beach actually being down year over year uh, for the past four months. And uh, Greg Miller, who writes uh, the um, you know in, information on the the ocean shipping market for FreightWaves.com, who, who you really should follow, um, you know wrote a good article about this and you know some of the the stats from his article in LA Long Beach. The import volume was down 16% in uh, December um, in terms of TEUs, and um, it was the lowest since June of 2020. So lowest in about 18 months, and you compare that with the peak. The recent peak in May and it was uh, in December was down about 24% um, versus where it was in May. So you have actually uh, had a very significant uh, decline in imports coming in through the port of LA and Long Beach. Those imports, you know, will translate into domestic freight demand, whether that is, um, you know, intermodal rail intermodal demand for those containers that are going long haul or uh, you know, domestic truckload uh, demand um, that are for, for loads that are either you know more time sensitive, have more service requirements, or are just uh, staying more local. Um, you know, keep in mind about a quarter of the freight that comes into LA Long Beach, you know, stays right there um, in, in that metro area. It's, of course, it's the second largest uh, consumption center um, you know, in the country, greater um, you know LA is. So a little bit counterintuitive that imports are falling in LA Long Beach when there's such a a, a queue of um, you know container ships, but that's sort of you know where we are. It's having a big impact, um, and, and so what that means for CPG companies is if you're moving products, you know, out of LA, um, you know those those rates are actually falling. Even that might be sort of, you know somewhat counterintuitive. We're seeing that across um, modes, um, both um, you know uh, rail intermodal and a truckload. This is a chart of uh, rail intermodal. Uh, which um, it shows the intermodal rates. So these uh, would define as domestic uh, intermodal rates. To, to, so to move 53 foot containers door to door, those include fuel surcharges. They include any you know peak season type surcharges. And uh, you see on some of these uh, you know 
what I would call very you know, domestic lanes, Chicago to Atlanta, um, pretty flat with a month ago. And these are month over month changes. Uh, but when you look at these lanes that um, you know, would include a lot of imports that are transloaded from international containers into domestic containers, uh, lanes like LA to Dallas, LA to Atlanta, LA to Chicago, those are down between 45 and over 50% in just the past month. And so some of those lanes, you know, a month ago, these intermodal spot rates, you know, were basically in line to above where the truckload uh, drive van rates are. Now they're well below that. Now there's not that many loads that move on the intermodal spot market, um, but um, still think there's there's information in these quotes, and it really does show that um, you know some space has opened up in terms of container availability, container availability, you know, space on the uh, you know on the trains, and um, you know saw something similar with the intermodal. Of volume where, um, you know, in, in Sonar, we break down intermodal volume between domestic and international. And domestic is uh, basically up, you know, nationwide up versus where it was last year, you know, including for, for LA, right about where it was, you know, at this time last year. And international is down about 20%, um, you know, overall and down about 30%, you know, outbound from LA. So when you look at those 40 foot um, containers, you know, those are well off, um, you know, where they were which uh, ties nicely into what um, you know, a lot of the railroads said when they reported earnings the past you know, couple uh, you know, weeks. Uh, you know, Union Pacific uh, you know, gives an outlook on each of its um, you know, sub-segments, and uh, they called out domestic intermodal as uh, an area where you should see volume growth this year, and international intermodal, they had a big sort of question mark where they don't know whether exactly what's going to you know, happen. You know, vol- you know, volume could be up, could be down um, based on our data. International volume well down, um, you know, year to date. It's only been a month, but that does seem to be a, a headwind, uh, you know, for the, the the rails at the moment. Um, so, in addition to the, the international, the intermodal volume, you're also seeing something similar on, on the truckload side. You know, we have this great tool in Sonar now that shows spot rates. You know, you can toggle it by drive van or reefer. Um, when you toggle it by drive van and just look at some of these key lanes that are outbound from. Um, you know, LA, let's say LA to Dallas or LA to Chicago or LA to Atlanta. A lot of those are down about 10% in the past month since the beginning of the year. Um, and uh, so, so really seeing some, some pretty you know, significant weakness, maybe not as, as much weakness as we just saw with, um, you know, intermodal, uh, you know, rates and some of those same, uh, some of those same lanes, but, but certainly seeing, you know, you know, weakness there. So a loosening you know, on the West Coast has probably been the biggest thing to me that has stood out from the many data sets that are in, uh, you know, in, in FreightWaves uh, sonar. Um, and then one of the questions uh, today was, um, you know, what impact is um, the Chinese New Year having? And, uh, you know, happy you know, Chinese uh, New Year to everyone that's, that's today. I uh, hope everyone has a good year of the tiger. Um, and really sort of thinking, you know, this year uh, it's not as big of an impact as most years. I think that was true last year as, as well, where, um, you know, because of COVID, there really was not as much, you know, migration. I mean, a lot of the, the workers in factories in China are migrant workers. They um, you know, work all year. They go home for about two weeks um, to wherever, you know, they were from. Um, and sometimes they go back to work at the end of the, 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 the break and sometimes they they don't, um, you know, whether they think they're up for working the, the grueling hours uh, again. But, you know, this year, you know, not as many workers going home. I don't think that it's going to have, you know, a, a, the same impact. Um, and just, we're just not seeing the same impact as it, as, it, as it typically does. Typically, there'd be a surge before Chinese New Year and then it would be weak. 
for a period of time. It would give the sort of domestic transportation markets a, a, a period of time to uh, catch up and um, you know reduce some of the the, the congestion. And uh, as as much as the West Coast ports uh, and, and the ports in general need that right now, that time to sort of catch up. Um, just don't don't see that as as being a, a major major factor that's going to alleviate a, a, a lot of that congestion. So I think uh, the Chinese New Year is having a, a muted um, you know impact on um, uh, the, the the transportation uh, markets uh, typically uh, versus w- what it typically does. But still, hope everyone has a chance to uh, celebrate Chinese New Year uh, today. Um, go get some good. Uh, food, um, and hope everyone can uh, join us uh, later this week um, for a global, uh, or I guess uh, next couple of weeks for Global Supply Chain Week. I'm going to be doing some interviews there related to rail and drayage. Going to have on um, you know Matt Schrapp, who is the CEO of the the um, you know Western uh, Harbor Trucking Association. So we'll really be able to dive deeper into some of the topics that. Um, just talked about, um, you know, with uh, exactly what's going on on the West Coast. So it's going to be great to hear from, you know, all the professionals that we uh, are, t- are talking to during that conference um, and should really come away with it, uh, really knowing what's going on in the space. So re- with that, um, that's really what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, feel free to uh, send me an email at mboudendistal.com and please sign up for my newsletter at uh, www.freightwaves.com forward slash the stockout. And with that, uh, happy Chinese uh, New Year.